Amen. Grab a seat. We're going to continue our series called Jesus 101. Jesus 101. And, and to do that, I, I want you guys to imagine with me that you're at your workplace and someone walks up to you, like just right there while you're at your workplace, just picture yourself there and somebody comes up to you and says, hey, says something like this, if you'll come with me right now, if you come, like drop everything, come with me right now, quit your job, like everything, like drop everything right now, if you'll come with me, I'll give you a million dollars if you come right now. How many of you guys, that, that would take a little bit of a risk to trust somebody like that, but, but how many of you guys would be willing to take the chance on that? Anybody be willing to take a chance? Yeah, all the people who hate their jobs. Like, like I'm, yeah, that's not a problem at all. But how many of you guys would be like, I mean, like you would have to trust somebody to do that. And it, because it would just be an in the moment, spur of the moment thing to make a quick decision based on what this person is saying. You know that Jesus took that type of tactic with people, sort of. I mean, he would come up to somebody, he came up to Peter on his job site, like, like they're on the job and Jesus just walks up to him and just says, follow me. And he intended for them to, at that moment, follow him, like drop everything, like quit your job, follow me. The difference between what I just described and what Jesus would do is there were no promises, there were no bribes, there were no earthly rewards. But the call was still the same, like drop everything, quit your job right now, and just follow me. And that was his call to people. That was the call that Jesus had, and you either did or you didn't. You either did or you missed it. And we have stories in the Bible of people who said yes when Jesus came, like, and just, they dropped everything. And then we also see a few stories of people who didn't do that. And so what I want to talk about today is this idea of how to lose your life. Because those people who Jesus came up to and Jesus said, follow me, if he did give them any more details, he might have preached a sermon to them, a little mini sermon that sounded something like this in Luke chapter nine, verse 23. It said, and he said to all, if anyone who come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and the holy angels. So that was the fine print, right? It was follow me. And then, hey, by the way, in order to do this, you got to lose your life and, and take up your cross daily. There was no million dollars at the end of that. There was no pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. I mean, it was just follow me. This is a 101 to, this is a Jesus 101. If you want to follow Jesus, you got to leave your old life behind, right? If you want to follow Jesus, you have to leave your old life behind. Now, how many of you guys have ever done this thing at the beginning of the year where you ask God to give you a word for the year? Has anybody ever done that before? All right, a word from the year. How many of you guys, just out of curiosity, my own curiosity, how many of you guys actually felt like God gave you a word for the year, for this year? Anybody? Okay, I just want to see how many people. All right, 
So several of you guys have that. Listen, I've tried to do that year after year, and I can't come up with anything, okay? I mean, I'm asking God, like, everybody does this, and, and like, I should know how to do this by now. And I, so I pray, and I ask God for a word for the year, and I never get one. You know, I try to make up words, and I just, I just didn't ever get any words for the year. And, and so I felt like, man, maybe I don't pray it out. No, I'm just kidding. I, I just, I couldn't get one until this year. And this year, in January... God gave me a word for the year. And here's what he told me. He said, this is going to be a year of loss. I was like, crap. (laughs) Should I say that? Uh, We're live streaming, okay. But I was like, no. Like, we just came out of 2020. Don't you remember that? Like, that was a lot of loss. That was a lot of... That's not, I don't want, no. And so I didn't tell anybody. I didn't even tell my wife. I didn't tell, she didn't know till last night. <laughs> I was like, I don't want to tell anybody that. I don't want to, so I tried to ignore it. I like, I'm like, I'm just going to ignore that. Like that can't be from God. And yet it's still, so I was like, no, like this can't be my word. I mean, I've tried to get all these words and, and then stuff started to happen. Like my, my father-in-law who was in the house today, all of a sudden he got sick and got in the hospital. I'm like, what, you know, are we going to lose people? Like, what did you talk? And I was like going through all these wild, crazy thoughts in my mind. And I'm like, no, that's not, no, I don't want that. And then on March 1st, I was walking around in auditorium too, and I was praying. And I had one of those moments, which are few and far between that you get in life. But I had one of those moments as I was walking around and praying, all of a sudden I was just arrested and stopped in one spot, felt the presence of God come from the top all the way down to the bottom, just arrested me, just like I could just sense the presence of God, tangibly felt the presence of God. So much so that I had to like shake it off afterwards. It was like, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't do anything. But I, here's what I heard God say. He said, that, that word loss is not the way you think it is. The, the word, the year of loss is not loss in a negative sense. It's actually loss in a positive sense because here's what I want you to know is going to happen in your life this year. There are some things that you need to lose this year. There are things about you that need to drop off this year. There are things about you that are going to be lost this year and it's going to be a beautiful thing. And I was like, oh, thank goodness because, you know, as painful as that's going to be, it's a lot better than the other thing, you know? And and I felt like, and so here, here's what happens. Sometimes God gives you something and it's like a work in progress. And I felt like I had permission from God to release this out to you, even though it's unfolding in my life. Even though I don't even understand all that will happen through it this year. I felt like maybe it wasn't just for me. Maybe it was something for our church as a whole, that there were some things about us that we've held on to that need to be let go of. There's maybe some heart issues or attitude. I don't even know what they are. I, I don't know if they're actions or, or what, but I, there, there are some things that maybe we've held on to that need to drop off this year. And, and this is what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Being a disciple of Jesus means saying yes when Jesus says, follow me, and then yes to every single thing he says after that. Let me say that again. Being a disciple means saying yes when Jesus comes and says, follow me, and then saying yes to everything he says after that. And I think a lot of us get the first yes. But how many of you guys know there are like a million yeses after that that many of us miss? 
But this is what it means to lose your life. This is what it means to lose your life for his sake. It's not just saying a prayer. I think some of us just get this idea that it's coming down and we say a prayer and all of a sudden I'm in and now I live the rest of my life however I want to. But no, 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 no. Being a follower of Jesus, you say it's like the start of your yeses. It's like the very beginning of your yeses. And you just keep saying yes to Jesus from there on out. And this is a very basic 101 to following Jesus. Now, Philippians chapter 3, verse 12 through 14 says this. This is Paul talking about the Christian life. He says, not that I've already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I do press on. He's like, I started, but I'm continuing because I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I've made it my own, but one thing I do. Forgetting, it's a famous passage of scripture here, but forgetting the, what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus. This is a picture of someone running a race. Paul loved to use his imagery of sporting events and especially like running a race. And this is a, he's trying to paint a picture of someone who's straining forward towards the, the prize, straining forward towards the finish line, someone who's doing everything they can to run, to win the race, to give it all that they have, focusing on an all-consuming goal. Now, in Paul's day, they had the Olympic Games, but they also had the Corinthian Games. And the Corinthian Games were a little bit different, and they had, uh, here's some interesting facts about these games. Number one, the games included running, leaping, spear throwing, boxing, wrestling, chariot racing, and racing in armor. I think that last one is pretty cool. Like racing in armor, like let's put armor on you and see who's the fastest, you know? That's pretty cool. And so there were many prizes as a winner. One, your name and your hometown would be shouted out as you're awarded a wreath so everybody would know who you are. Your town would, would have some, uh, some glory to it. You'd get a small fortune uh, as well, which would be kind of nice, right? Uh, you would have a right to sit at a place of honor in all future games. So it's like you'd be getting box seats at Arrowhead, right? I mean, so that would be pretty cool because everybody would know that you had won this race. Your children would receive a free education. Somebody say amen to that. That'd be awesome. You'd, you're exempt from military duty and released from paying taxes for the rest of your life. Yeah, praise Jesus. You guys need to get saved. Um, so... As a result of all this, everyone tried out. Like everyone wanted a shot at this. Everyone wanted to run for the prize. And here's what I want you to understand. You know that we're all running for a prize, right? The question is, what prize are we running for? Every single one of us have a prize in our heart that we're running for, that we're straining for most likely as if we're trying to reach the end of the finish line. The question is, what is the prize that we are running for? Some of us are better at it than others, right? I mean, some of us, like when I was in uh, seventh grade, I believe it was, they wanted me to run in the hurdles all of a sudden, and I was four foot 11 and had size 12 shoe. It didn't go well, people. It just, I knocked down every single one of them. I said, I'm never doing that again. But we all have this prize that we're running for. I, I've shared this before, but when I was 15, we, my family lived on the border of Texas and Mexico, and we would take groups of people in to Mexico to do missions work in Matamoros, Mexico. And it was uncomfortable and hot many times and you know, out of our comfort zone. And each week we'd take another group of people in who were not used to the conditions. And so there was this little thing that happened. Uh, and I don't know how it started, it was just part of the culture, but 
somebody would yell out and they would say, attitude check. And then everyone in this big bus or van or whoever, wherever we were traveling, everyone would respond with, praise the Lord. And so it didn't, it didn't matter. Somebody could just randomly at any time just say, attitude check. And everyone in unison would just say, praise the Lord. And it was a way for us to keep our attitude in check, to remind ourselves that we were doing it unto the Lord, even if it was uncomfortable, even if we didn't you know, feel like it at the moment and somebody would just say attitude check. So let's just practice that today. Can you guys just, just be the, the, the responders today? Attitude check. See, doesn't that feel good right there? I mean, if you came in with a bad attitude, let me just say it again. Attitude check. Yeah, that's, that's what we would do. And I, I was thinking about that this week and I thought, I wonder if we sometimes need a prize check. Like the Bible says to take up your cross daily. I wonder if, I wonder if from day to day we need a prize check. Say, what, what is the prize that I'm really running for? You know, listen, I, I have been in ministry as a pastor, as a youth pastor or lead pastor for two decades now combined. And then I've been serving, volunteering for a lot longer than that. And you know what I found? I still need a prize check. I still got, I have to wake up every day and say, what's the prize I'm running for? Just because I, my, my vocation, you could call it, is pastoring, you know, I still need a prize check. I still have to, I'm not exempt from that. I'm not exempt from that. We need a, a prize check. Keep our eye on the call. Hebrews, I'm gonna have the worship team come back up right now in this moment because we're gonna receive communion right now in the middle of the message. Because I believe before you hear what's next, we need to have a prize check. That we need to have this moment where we come back and we keep our eyes on the things that matter. Hebrews chapter 12, verse two says this, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. We have to keep our eyes on Jesus. We have to keep our eyes on Jesus. You know, there are some things that, that, that sometimes easily distract us and easily sway us. But what I want to do right now is I want us, as you, you have the communion elements right there, and you know that cracker represents the body that was broken for us. You know, the Jesus 101, we never get beyond what happened on the cross. That his body was broken for us. That the juice, it represents the blood that was spilled for us. That even while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That even while we were faithless, that he was faithful to us. That when he comes up to us and he said, follow me, it wasn't because we were so special, it's because of who he is. And how easy is it for us to forget? How easy is it for us to take our eye off the prize? Even in our desire to do good, even in our desire, that's why I say, I've been in ministry for a couple decades, and you know what? Sometimes even in ministry, you can get your eye on ministry instead of Jesus. You know, you can get your eye on serving Jesus so much that you forget to see Jesus. Let me, let me say that again, because it's so important. You can get your eye so much on serving Jesus that you forget to see Jesus. 
And so we have to come back to look to Jesus, the author, the finisher of our faith, and to remember that he loved us so much that he was willingly laid on a cross and he died on the cross, but he loves us so much for us to live this life to the full that he's called us to, that he rose from the dead. And he says that resurrection life is now in you. And so as we have this moment, as the worship team plays this song, sings this song, you can worship to it, but my encouragement is that you would just take a moment to have a prize check. And say, where am I? Jesus, where are you? Where are my eyes? Are my eyes on you? So Jesus, we come before you right now. Holy Spirit, in this moment, oh man, quicken our heart towards the things of you. Lord, let your spirit draw us closer to you. Oh, we repent of any place in our life that is not fixed and fixated on you as the prize. Lord, we come back to you because in you is everything that we need. In you, we live, we move, we have our being. We thank you so much for what you've done on the cross for us and for this abundant life, life to the full that we get in exchange for losing our life. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name.
prayer. Lord, we say do something new in us. Lord, as we surrender, as we give our heart fully, completely to you, we just declare that right now before we go any further. Lord, we say have your way. Have your way today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, worship team, for giving us that moment there. Um, We just read Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, where it says, looking to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. If we we look at the verse right before it, it gives us a key to understanding part of what it's like to run this race and to lose our life. And it says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, it says, therefore, we, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, again, he's using this imagery of a stadium and all of these witnesses in a stadium. And I don't have time to get into all of what that would have looked like and the symbolism of that. But basically, he's surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses and that imagery of being in a stadium, well, we have all of those who have gone before us who are cheering us on, those who uh, are in heaven and those who are with Jesus. It says, so let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So in ancient Greece, they would lay aside every weight. So they would do everything they could to get into complete fit, tip-top shape, I mean, similar today, you know, go through these exercise programs. They would try to get every ounce of weight off of them that was going to hinder them. But in ancient Greece, they would even go further than that. I mean, they would lay aside every weight. I mean, they'd take everything off, okay? And they would run so that they had nothing, that there would be any extra pounds. Now, that's not what we do today, and thank goodness for that, right? But that was just a picture to show how serious they were, that they were not going to let anything Keep them weighed down, even those things that seemed necessary. Even those things that may be a little bit embarrassing if you got rid of, right? That's the picture that's being painted here. So they would go down to do everything that they they could do to make themselves lighter in any way. And here's what I, as I was thinking about that this week, I thought about sometimes our prayer life. Do you know that sometimes in our prayer life, the things that we're praying and our prayer requests are actually for more weights in our life? Have you thought about the things you've been praying about? See, sometimes we just come up with our own list. You know that your prayer list ought to be inspired by the Holy Spirit, not your own desires. Sometimes we're praying for things that are actually more weights in our life, that will produce more weight. How many of you guys know we already have a lot of stuff, right? We've got a lot of stuff. Let me give you some stats that I saw this week. In the average American home, there are about 300,000 items. How many of you guys are above average? Like, you're just like, I'm above average, right? All right. 25% of people with two-car garages don't have room to park cars inside of them. How many of you guys are those people right there? Like, I was doing some garage cleaning yesterday. I'm like, man, this is bad, right? The average 10-year-old owns 238 toys but plays with just 12 daily. How many parents know that's true, right? You get something for Christmas, they play for it for a day and a half, and they're bored with it, right? And it goes in the closet because we have a lot of stuff. Uh, This one was interesting to me, that there is 7.3 square feet of self-storage space for every man, woman, and child in the nation. Therefore, if you put all of these self-storage units together in one location... Every man, woman, and child in America could stand inside of it because there's that much self-storage space. 
that's not even in our houses. That's like our extra stuff. How many of you guys know that's a lot of stuff, right? And then after all the stuff we have, Americans donate only 1.9% of their income to charitable causes. I threw that in. That's an extra message, okay? That's another message altogether. But here's what I, I discovered over the years. People will come to me and they'll ask me to agree with them in prayer about something. And, and honestly, sometimes I don't know how to deal with it because they'll ask me to pray, agree in prayer with something about it. And I'm thinking, you know, if you successfully receive in prayer what you want, it may be the last thing you need. So I'm like sitting there like, you want me to agree in prayer? You want this? You want this more thing? You want this relation? You want this thing over here? You want this? And it's like, that's the last thing you need. You're actually praying for more weights. And so I, I didn't really know how to deal with it for a while because I want to agree and I want to carry people's burdens and I want to, you know, agree in prayer with people. But I, I really struggled with that. And I would even struggle to pray for other churches at times because I would look and I think, you know, if you're successful at what you're aiming to do, I don't know if I can agree with that because just because it's bigger doesn't mean it's better. Just because it looks successful doesn't mean it's the way to go. And sometimes I'll even ask that about our church. Like, is what we want to do, is that going to be healthy? Like, we're, sometimes we pray for more, but is that better? Is that more godly? And so I struggled with that. So I'd ask God, I'd say, how can I pray? How can I agree with these people in prayer? How can I pray for these other churches when I don't know if they actually succeed at what they want? I don't know if it's the best thing. And so I'm going to give you two wrong questions that we tend to ask today and then two right questions that we should ask that's really helped me wrestle with this. And the first wrong question that we tend to ask in our life is this, am I successful? We start to ask all these questions. We look around our life, am I successful? And we, the way that we generally measure that is by looking around. I mean, if we're just quite honest, we look around and we say, am I successful? Here's the question that we ought to ask if we're in Christ, am I fruitful? Because successful and fruitful may not be the same thing. So honestly, I stopped praying for other people's success. I stopped praying for other churches to be successful. And I started to pray for people to be fruitful. And I started to pray for other churches to be fruitful, that would bear the fruit of the kingdom of God. Isn't that our desire? Shouldn't that be our desire to bear the fruit of the kingdom of God? Not just to be successful because success can be defined in so many different ways. And worldly success can, can look very, very appealing in the veneer of spiritual activity. But it doesn't mean it's actually fruitful. So John chapter 15, verse 1 and 2 talks about this, talks about being fruitful. It says, I am the true vine. And my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Did you catch something there? If you want to bear fruit, look what happens. Things get cut away. If you want to bear fruit, things get pruned. So sometimes if you want to bear fruit, there's going to be some pruning times. Now, how many of you guys know that pruning can sometimes be painful, isn't it? That to have pruning, there's, or there's going to be some pain to get fruit. Sometimes there's going to be a process to get fruit. Sometimes there's going to be a waiting period to get fruit. Sometimes there's going to be an unseen time. What am I saying? To bear more fruit, sometimes you need less weights in your life. And so many of us, if we could honestly pray that prayer, Lord, I want to bear fruit, guess what's going to happen in your life? Something's going to be cut away. If you honestly, now, if you want to pray to be successful, 
you're probably going to have things added to your life. But if you want to pray to bear fruit, things are probably going to be cut away. And most people are unwilling to pray the bear fruit prayer, and so they pray the successful prayer. Sometimes you're praying for success, you need to be praying for fruit. The second wrong question we tend to ask sounds very similar to the first wrong question. The first wrong question was, am I successful? Here's the second wrong question we tend to ask. Am I making a difference? Now on the surface, this seems like a wonderful question that we should ask. This seems like an appropriate question that we should ask. But I'm telling you this, am I making a difference question can sometimes get in the way of God's purposes for our life. And I'm gonna show you why that is. But let's, you know, we, I believe we all wanna make a difference. How many of you guys wanna make a difference? I do, I wanna make a difference. In fact, let me just tell you that I have been wrestling with this in my life. You know, I heard a long time ago that as a preacher, don't preach things that you're going through, preach things that you've gone through, right? I've heard that. But I'm gonna share with you something that I'm going through right now. And I, and I just wanna share, because... I think it's appropriate from time to time to do that. And let me just tell you what it is. You know, like I said, the year of loss that I was talking about and I thought God, God was implying, I didn't want to have that word because we'd experienced so much loss. You know, I've, as a pastor throughout the years, I've experienced a lot of loss, like relationally and different things like that. And I had this question the other day, maybe it was a couple weeks ago, but I said, God, is this the end game? Like, is this what happens as a pastor in church? That no matter how many good things happen in people's lives, the end game is that everyone leaves? The end game that is eventually, at some point, most likely upset at something, or most likely that I could have done something better or the church let them down in some way, is this the end game? And is if, the, if this is the end game, am I really making a difference? You guys know, I'm being real with you right now, right? And so I was wrestling with God about that. I said, is this the end game? And then John 15, verse eight, if you keep reading that passage, it says this. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. So we wanna bear fruit. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. So I was pondering that. Am I making a difference? What's the point? And I began to ask that question. Am I making a difference? And then God gave me a second question that I believe is the right question to ask. The question is not, am I making a difference? The question is, am I being obedient? Because the world is full, the history is full of stories of people who in the moment, if they measured their difference making on a meter, it would not have registered until later. I mean, even just think about painters who paint these beautiful paintings. Well, in their lifetime, most of them were not recognized. They didn't even know they had created masterpieces until long after the moment had passed. And God challenged me, he said, the question is not, are you making the difference? The question, you know, it's almost like God just reached down and he said, Sean, I never asked you to make a difference. I just asked you to be obedient. Let me sort all that out. I never asked you to make a difference. I don't know where you got that. I, I asked you to be obedient. 
And so the question isn't, am I making a difference? It's, am I being obedient? And sometimes we can't see the difference that we're making in the moment. Sometimes we won't see the difference we're making until eternity. And if we measured everything by the difference we're making now, we may not be obedient to the call of God on our lives. Because if you try to measure everything by the amount of difference you're making, sometimes you're going to be really discouraged. Sometimes you're not going to see it in that season. In fact, if you look at bearing fruit, you know what? If you're in a bearing fruit season, you know what happens before that? It's the pruning that happens. You don't see fruit during pruning. You never see fruit. In fact, all you see is the cutting back during the pruning time. But how many of you guys know when you're in the process of bearing fruit, yeah, there is a difference being made. You just cannot see it with your natural eyes. You won't see it. And so there I was with God. I'm like, is this the end game? He says, I never asked you to make a difference. I just asked you to be obedient. I never asked you to make a difference. I just asked you to be obedient. And it reminded me of back when I was a youth pastor and I was leaving. I told you guys this story before, but I had to stand up and say some very challenging things when no one else was, cha was, was saying challenging things and resign and to leave and to leave my job and all that type of stuff because there were some things happening that no one was standing up to say the hard thing that was the right thing to say. And I was 26 years old and I remember going away from that moment and I had this little conversation with God. I said, God, am I always gonna be the guy who has to say the hard thing to people? And God's like, yep. I was like, what? <laughs> so, yeah, because you're willing to do it. And so all throughout the years, I've had to like have these really tough conversations. So many conversations that people think I enjoy having them. I do not enjoy having them whatsoever. But there's so many times when God drops a word in my heart that's a hard thing to say to somebody, but because God knows I'll follow through with it, then he gives it to me to say, and I was having another conversation with God. As you, as you guys can tell, I've been having a lot of conversations with God lately, right? I had another conversation with God not too long ago where I had a hard word that I was supposed to deliver to somebody out of love. I mean, out of, it was a love, out of love for somebody. And I was just like, God, I don't want to be that guy. Because every time I do that, it seems like nobody listens anyway. Everybody does their own thing anyway. Why, why do you want me to go through this? And God's kind of like, again, I never asked you to make a difference. I just asked you to be obedient. But I was like, God, I don't want to do that. I don't want to be that guy anymore. I'm done with giving the hard words. And then it's like I heard God say, oh, so you're Jonah now. So you get to decide which words are from me that need to be delivered and which ones are not. And I think that's the way some of us are when God calls us to obedience. We start to decide which ones we want to be obedient to and which ones we don't want to be obedient. This is, this is the challenge of following. Remember I, I said being a disciple is saying yes to follow Jesus and then yes to everything he says after that? This is the challenge to that. This is the hard part. And I think the hardest part about obedience to God is doing nothing. Because we want to make things happen all the time. We want to make things happen all the time. And sometimes when we get with God and we want to make something happen and God says, no, you're in a waiting period, you're in a pruning time, the hardest act of faith is to do nothing. You realize that doing nothing is an act of faith when God tells you to do nothing? <laughs> to stay in one place, to sit, to settle, to remain, to rest, to abide, that takes an ultimate act of faith. That's the hardest thing. And if this last year that has taught me anything, 
and I know it's probably taught a lot of us things, but this last year, if it's taught me anything, it's that I need to increase my threshold of pain. Because in pruning, if I want to bear fruit, there's going to be some pain in pruning. And I need to increase my threshold of pain. I want to have our worship team come back up at this time as we get ready to close, but I'll say just a couple more things. Sometimes you have to process through that pain. If you felt some pain, like I've just, I've just been real and honest and raw with you guys today. And it's okay for me to feel those things and to process through those things and to ask God, where is this the end game? But you know what's not okay? What's not okay is if I d- adopt the lowest point of my feelings. What's not okay is just because I feel those things, I don't have to adopt the lowest point of my feeling. What I do have to do is go back to the word of God and say, who do you say that I am? Lord, am I being faithful and, and am, am I being obedient? That, that's what I need to do. Because what happens here at the very end of John chapter, or the very end of the passage we're looking at in John 15, he tells us the end result. He tells us the end game of bearing fruit. It's, it's right there in John 15, 11. He says, these things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. The end game of bearing fruit is the joy that comes from being with Jesus. The, the end game, the, the joy is found when we lose our life to follow Jesus. Why? Because we ultimately gain the Jesus life. We ultimately gain the life that Jesus had planned for us from the foundations of the earth. That's where true joy is found. When we lose our life, we save our life. When we lose the weights, we ultimately find joy in him. When we let go of the am I successful question, we can start to bear fruit. When we let go of the am I making a difference question, we can start to fully walk in obedience no matter what we see, hear, or encounter in the natural. That's called being a disciple. That's called losing your life. And so here at the end of this message, I just wanna do kind of an illustrated sermon right now because uh, we're sending some people out of our church and um, we wanna pray for them because they're being obedient and they're saying yes to the call, they're saying yes to Jesus. And so I want Jake and Nikki and Hunter and Jordan and Rory to come on up here and we're going to, and any of our ministry leaders to come on up and we're gonna lay hands on them because they're saying yes, they're taking off and they're saying yes to leave everything behind. And what we wanna do is we wanna place our mantle as a church upon them. We wanna place our anointing as a church upon them. You know, it's not an easy thing to say yes to Jesus. I don't imply it's an easy thing. But what I am saying is that there is a joy that only comes from Jesus, that can only come from Jesus when we step out in faith. And so we're gonna pray over them and, and believe that God's purposes are gonna be fulfilled as they step out in faith. So would you guys stand up with me, stretch your hands towards them, and as a church, we did this last night and we're, we're gonna do this in every service that you can be a part of. If you're watching on the live stream at home, you can even just stretch your hand towards the screen, towards your phone, whatever it is, and agree with us in faith right now. Lord, we place our hands upon them, upon this family. And Lord, we thank you for people who are willing to say yes, even if it's difficult, willing to say yes, even if it's challenging. 
willing to say yes, even if it costs, willing to say yes, even if there's loss. And Lord, I pray right now that you would supernaturally fill in any single gap that might be there. If there's a gap in relationship, if there's a gap in finances, if there's a gap in courage, if there's a gap in doubt, Lord, I pray that you would fill in every single gap that needs to be filled in by your presence. Lord, we just pray a supernatural joy all over them. We pray a peace that comes only from God, that knowing that as they take a step of faith, Lord, that you are with them every single step of the way, that you would guide, lead, protect. Lord, we place our hands upon them, but we also place the anointing of this house upon them as a, a family of this house, as an extension of Journey Church, as they go into a different place, Lord, that you're, we would still be connected, even though we're disconnected by distance, we're connected in the spirit, we're connected by faith, we're connected as family. And so, Lord, we place our mantle upon them, we place our anointing upon them, and Lord, we send them out and we say that they are blessed beyond measure, that they are blessed beyond their ability. Lord, I pray that you would give them supernatural connections beyond their pay grade, beyond what they could do in the natural. Lord, that you would connect people with them, the right place, the right time. Lord, that you would give them influence beyond their own natural ability. Lord, that you would give them uh, influence into people that are influencers. And Lord, that they would influence beyond what their capacity is in the natural. Lord, that they would influence beyond what they could even imagine because you are so much bigger than what we can ask or think or even dream about. And Lord, as this is a moment right now, this is a seed moment. But Lord, just because it's a seed moment, this is not the end. This is the seed. Lord, we believe that one day we will see the harvest that will be so unbelievable that we won't be able to even compare it to this moment because of the difference will be so big. It will be hard for us to see in the natural. But Lord, I pray right now that there would be supernatural connections, supernatural, I'm just going to say it this way, supernatural adventures in God. That there would be stories for your kingdom that will be celebrated throughout eternity because of people who stepped out and said yes to Jesus. And Lord, as a, as a church and as a family, we place our blessing upon them. And we say in the name of Jesus, they're going out. And in the name of Jesus, they're going to bear much fruit. And so Lord, we declare that over their lives right now. In your name we pray. Amen. Come on, can we give Jesus some praise for this? Thank you, guys. Let me just say one more thing. You guys can remain standing. We're getting ready to worship. But there's the joy that's set before us. And if, if you're struggling today, maybe you're in that season where you're struggling to, to bear fruit and you're, you're in that pruning time, here's the scripture that God gave me. Galatians chapter six, verse nine. This is, this is one of my favorite scriptures and this scripture has bailed me out so many times. It really has. When I find myself in discouragement and I find myself in the pruning time, I find myself in the lost time, this scripture floats up to the surface. Galatians chapter six, verse nine. It says this, and let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season, we shall reap if we don't lose heart. If we don't lose heart. My prayer today is that you would be encouraged because in the end, it's worth it. In the end, losing your life for the sake of Jesus is worth it. In, your end, in the end, the losing your life for the gospel is worth it. Dying to self is worth it. And in the end, God restores all things. 
He rebuilds all things. And you may be looking in the natural and asking the question, am I making a difference? Am I being obedient? Jesus, we come before you and we say, you have the master key of our heart. You have the master key of our life. Lord, all we have is yours. Everything we have, we surrender to you. Everything we have. We said yes to follow you. And now we say yes to every single thing you say after that. In Jesus' name we pray.